In the name of the one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. So today we celebrate the Feast of All Saints. And that's a pretty big deal for All Saints Anglican Church, right? Well, I remember growing up going to a Roman Catholic school and we would normally on All Saints Day sing songs during the service like for all the saints. So there were so many memories that come back to me every All Saints Day from early childhood. And one year, the priest who was giving the homily that day many years ago stopped and he said, Dear Saints, Happy All Saints Day. Well, all of us kids were, you know, sitting down quietly like, who is he talking to? Is he expecting for a response to come from heaven? What's going on? He said it again and he noted, though, I'm talking to you all sitting here, not the saints in heaven. The Bible calls you saints if you are in Christ. So, happy All Saints Day. And it was at that point we all responded, Happy All Saints Day, Father. More often than not, when we talk about saints, we think of people like Saint Perpetua, Saint Felicity, Saint Paul, or Saint Barnabas. But rarely do we think of people like Saint Bill or Saint Shelley. We often hear Christians say, well, I am no saint. But why do people do this? I would dare say that they often lack the understanding of the reality of who we are in Christ Jesus. And just like the priest explained at my school that year, we who are in Christ are saints. Instead of recognizing this, we often sanitize the lives of the saints who have gone before us, not recognizing that they are human and they are human. And we criticize the lives of the saints who are here with us on earth, those we see as our contemporaries, not considering that they are in the process of sanctification right along with us. And our readings from the New Testament present an image of the saints both in heaven and on earth and reveal to us what I like to call the making of a saint. Now, in the drama of Revelation, and yes, for those who know me, you probably already figured I was going to start in Revelation, we can sometimes miss the point of what the text is communicating. But this passage seems quite clear. Here we get some relief from all the exciting parts of the apocalypse that people try to use to make all their charts about the Lord's return. I thank God for that relief personally. But by the time we get here, the four horsemen have ridden into the sunset. The restless souls under the altar have begun to rest a little while. The ungodly people of the earth have begun to hide from God and from the wrath of the Lamb. During this interlude, John gives us a glimpse of the saint's path from this age to the one to come. And we see that it is a single path that all the saints must take as we enter the joy of God's heavenly kingdom. 
The saving act of God and Christ makes us saints. John explains that he saw an innumerable multitude loudly crying out, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Salvation begins with them. It does not begin with you, nor does it begin with me. You cannot make yourself a saint, no matter how hard you try. And each time you try, trust me, you will fail. But it was through the work of God that you were made a saint, and it is through the work of God that you are a saint. So, knowing that you are a saint, you have a responsibility. The people of God in the Hebrew Bible had a responsibility to live according to the law, not that they might enter a relationship with God, but because they were in relationship with God. We have that same responsibility to live according to Jesus' instructions as found in today's gospel reading. In Luke 6, 27 through 31, Jesus gives multiple commands to his disciples. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. To the one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from the one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you. And from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. Now here's where things often go sideways in the church. Who is your enemy? Who are those who hate you? Who are those who curse and abuse you? These people are probably not who you think. See, far too many people in the church have pledged allegiance, some in word and others in deed, to worldly systems. Therefore, the person who looks differently than you, has a different background according to the flesh, or speaks another language than you, has been adopted as the enemy. Among the people of God, this should not be. The amazing thing that many people fail to realize is that the multitude in Revelation 7 is from every nation, all tribes and peoples and languages. The group of people that John sees extends far beyond your national, tribal, or linguistic borders. As we confess our faith in the words of the Nicene Creed, we are reminded of and declare our belief in the communion of saints. This means that we are a part of the people of God that spans time and space. People who are beyond our temporal framework right now and those who are beyond our geopolitical borders. And this means that there will be people who do not necessarily look like you, talk like you, have your national origin or your earthly political affiliations who are before the throne of God. And if you continue reading in Revelation, you discover that the first beast of Revelation chapter 13 was given authority over every tribe and people and language and nation. Did you catch that list? That lets us know that issues of 
Tribe and people and language and nation are not the dividing factor, but it is those who are faithful to God and the Lamb. The text of Revelation in chapter 13, it says, And all who dwell on the earth worship the beast. Everyone whose name has not been written before the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb who was slain. Now, considering this, some of you may still be trying to identify your enemy. And if you are, you are missing the point. What do I mean by this? As a saint, you are to love your enemies. And based on the summary of the law, which we heard a few moments ago, you were called to love your neighbor as yourself. So if God calls you to love your enemies and love your neighbor as yourself, who is there left for you to hate? No one. And this is the way of the saints. And in case you missed Jesus' words the first time, he brings it home for you again, beginning in Luke chapter 6, verse 32. He says, if you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. In other words, as a saint, you should be modeling your life after the character of God. Additionally, I want to highlight something here that I believe people in the church need to hear today. Today's gospel displays it very beautifully. And in the same way that some people in the church have taken on the attitudes of those outside the church, some have also adopted their actions. They hate, they curse, they abuse, failing to live up to the title of saint. Now, notice, I did not say that these individuals were not saints, but that they fail to live up to who God has made and called them to be. And somehow, these individuals, after acting in very sinner-like ways, weaponize the words of Christ to demand that their victims do good to them, bless them, and pray for them. And while God's word places such demands on those who call themselves saints, it also requires that those who hate, curse, and abuse exhibit more than contrition. God requires repentance. And as we will pray in the general confession, we are truly sorry and we humbly repent. In other words, it requires more than saying, I'm sorry. True repentance demands change. And repentance is the way of sainthood. Not only is repentance the way of sainthood, but suffering is also. In Revelation chapter 7, verse 13, one of the elders asked John, 
Who are these clothed in white robes and from where have they come? And John does not seem to know, but the elder tells him, these are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. These are the people of God, those who are in Christ. And within our culture, we often refuse to identify with those enduring tribulation. That lack of identification may come from the fact that sometimes we are the ones causing tribulation for others. Or we might just feel that we are special and that God will somehow snatch us from tribulation, though the church for millennia before us have gone through it and endured it. Well, I've got news for you. The church endures tribulation. And while some want to cast off John's words here into the future, John in Revelation chapter 1 verse 9 introduces himself as your brother and partner in the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Christ Jesus. If John identifies himself in this way and those he sees are enduring tribulation, maybe it is time for those in the church in North America to abandon its place of privilege and embrace the call for patient endurance and the faith of the saints. The making of saints occurs in the already but not yet. And this concept of the already but not yet highlights that we live in a reality where we are seated with Christ in the heavenlies, but we have not yet experienced the fullness of the powers of the age to come. As the writer of Hebrews says, we have tasted of those powers, but we have not yet fully experienced them. We are saints, but we have not yet been perfected in our sainthood. The Beatitudes in Luke highlight this well. Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. At the same time, the hungry will be satisfied. Those who currently weep will laugh. The saints are partakers of the kingdom, but we will see the fullness of our participation in the kingdom in the age to come. The text of Revelation also points out this reality. When speaking of this group that is clothed in white coming out of the tribulation, the text says, therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. Even as we prepare to come to the holy table, we will indeed join our voices with angels and archangels and all the company of heaven, including the saints who have gone before us as we come boldly unto the throne of heavenly grace. And John goes on to say, they shall hunger no more. Wait, that sounds like Jesus. Neither thirst anymore. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat, for the lamb in the midst of them will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And as we approach the conclusion of the apocalypse, 
We find John seeing the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven to earth. And he says, And I saw the holy city, new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with humanity. He will dwell with them, and they will be his peoples, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. May we, as those in Christ's church, live up to who God has made and called us to be, saints. Amen.